Welcome to the Conceive Baby podcast, where we give you access to leading international fertility experts across all aspects of fertility and preconception health to help you conceive and carry a healthy baby. Here's your host, natural fertility specialist and Conceive Baby founder, Tasha Jennings. Hi, and welcome to our Conceive Baby discussion today. Today, we'll be talking about a topic that affects many couples. In fact, one in three pregnancies is affected by miscarriage. And perhaps precisely because it is so common, um, women are often told things like, these things happen, just take some time out and try again. But really, there's a lot more to it than that. There really is a huge emotional and physical toll around miscarriage. And there's also a lot of, I guess, fear and trepidation around just trying again. There's a lot of questions around why did it happen? How do I know it won't happen again? And how can I prevent it from happening again? Unfortunately, many couples are provided with few answers. So today we're really here to help bridge that gap, to really provide you with some tools to help you be proactive, to reduce your risk of miscarriage and increase your chances of a healthy pregnancy and a healthy baby. So firstly, for those who haven't joined us before, my name's Tasha Jennings, founder of Conceive Baby. I'm a naturopath, nutritionist, natural fertility specialist, and author of The Vitamins Guide and Fertility Diet, as well as an expert contributor to major media publications such as The Age, The Herald Sun, uh, Yahoo 7, New Idea, as, other, as well as other parenting and pregnancy websites. And as many of you who are part of the Conceive Baby community would know, I'm really passionate about helping couples conceive and carry healthy babies. And my aim for conceivebaby.com.au is to really bring together a team of specialists across all aspects of fertility and preconception health to provide you with qualified expert information to help you achieve your baby dreams. And today I'm thrilled to be speaking with a fabulous expert in this field, Angela Highwood. Angela is an experienced naturopathic clinician with over 20 years clinical experience. She runs a busy clinic in Perth in Western Australia, specialising in integrative endocrinology, women's health and fertility. And prior to her career in naturopathy, Angela studied at the School of Pharmacy at Curtin University of Technology. Angela practiced at the world-renowned Jocelyn Centre of Natural Fertility Management, Australia's first specialised practice in the area of preconception health and fertility management, and has really dedicated her career to fertility and women's health. And with her uniquely integrative approach, she's assisted many couples overcome their fertility obstacles and really fulfill their dreams of becoming parents. Angela has a passion for helping couples become parents and seeing their families thrive. She is a mother of two little ones herself with children very similar ages to my own, actually, at two years and three and a half years both of whom were carefully and consciously planned and both of whom were conceived naturally after 40. 
Angela has also just spent the last six months writing a chapter uh, for a, in a medical textbook on miscarriage. And in addition to her practice and education roles, Angela is a well-known featured speaker at complementary and integrative medicine conferences internationally. And I know she's just flown in from one of those lectures in Sydney this morning, and I really appreciate her taking the time out of her busy schedule to be with us today. Welcome, Angela. Thank you so much for having me join you today, Tasha, and thanks for everyone for joining in to listen. Um, I'm really delighted to be here today to have this conversation about something that I'm you know, really incredibly passionate about, which is fertility in general, but it's for me, I call it the prevention of heartbreak of babies that possibly could have been. Um, and I guess this is really close to my heart because of my own mother um, in her journey to have, you know, my brother and I, she experienced 11 miscarriages on only two full-term pregnancies. So I kind of think it's my... Um, was my lot in life to maybe explore this and um, and certainly I was able to provide my mother in the end with kind of a lot of answers as to why that was her path. So it's close to my heart personally and very close to my heart professionally. Yeah, look, I'm really thrilled to be speaking with you today because obviously, I mean, I wasn't aware of your personal um, background, but your professional background is so um, really enormous in this area and particularly in miscarriage and something that I think um, many women have experienced that don't get answers to. So I'm really thrilled to, to have you talking to us to provide some of those answers. So and we mentioned like it, it is a very common occurrence uh, affecting about one in three pregnancies, but, but what is your experience with that and then the occurrence of miscarriage in, in your practice? Well, um, having just done six months of research in preparation for writing an extensive chapter on this topic, I was actually more shocked than ever to actually understand the international statistics around it. So basically, um, 15% of all clinically recognised pregnancies um, end in miscarriage. So that's the moment you get a positive on a pregnancy test, then you know, automatically stats say there's a 15% chance of losing that baby. And that's not even looking at, you know, some of the other factors like, you know, age and, um, you know, health and wellness, et cetera, around that. Um, they say that 30% um, of pregnancies are um, lost between conception and six weeks of that pregnancy mark. Um, and one of the alarming statistics is... Um, approximately 70% of conceptions fail to get to live birth. Wow. I think it's, it's, it's nice for people to know and that they're not alone. I think we often don't talk enough about this, and I think you and I both discussed earlier, being in this industry, it often comes out of the woodwork that even you know reasonably close friends have never discussed this issue. So I think it's something that it's nice to know that you're not alone. There are other people in the same boat. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that... Um, you know, Australia is it's a place that we live and have, you know, our community, um, there needs to be a lot more done in terms of emotional health and wellbeing for women who have suffered one or a number of miscarriages because it is still very much um, the try again, I'm sure next time we'll be fine approach. And I say to women, you know, I, I work with them and counsel them with grief because that's, you know, precisely what it is. But I say to them, in my opinion, there is a lot that can be done. It's not just bad luck in a majority of cases. 
And the couples that I work with, because this is not just women's business and this is also what we've got to get, you know, our generation's head around is that the the responsibility of fertility and having a family does not fall on the woman. It's about an egg, it's about a sperm, and, yes, it's about a, a healthy uterine environment as well. But essentially when it comes to making babies, and for the successful viability of that pregnancy resulting in the birth of a healthy child, you need two fundamental things. You need healthy sperm and you need healthy eggs. Yes. So, yes. Um, you know, I give a lot of counsel around that, that men absolutely have to be involved in this journey with their partners to do investigation do preparation and be proactive around, you know, prevention of further miscarriages for that couple. Yeah, it's good for the woman to know that we're often, we feel blame ourselves. I think it's a natural natural thing we do anyway. And you do hold a lot of that blame when in actual fact, A, it it may not all be your fault. And if there are factors that that are occurring within your body, many of them are fixable. And I'm I'm glad to be, be talking about those today. Absolutely. And you know, it blows me away how much we actually do know and how much research is out there around about miscarriage um, is not the unknown anymore. However, one of the things that, um, you know, everyone who's a clinician, be it a medical doctor, be it a naturopath or be it a fertility specialist, will know that generally miscarriages are not investigated until a couple have had numerous miscarriages and they're considered recurrent miscarriages. So generally investigation will start usually at miscarriage three rather than at miscarriage one. And heartache and also people are starting their babies later so you don't want to be at you know 35 40 having those three miscarriages so you're right the the earlier we can get onto this and be proactive the better absolutely and one thing i want to you know assure women out there that are older having their babies like myself um and that was for no other reason that i didn't meet my prince charming until later in life um that is, there is a high risk of miscarriage as you get older, but that's simply because um, they say oh, egg quality is worse and, oh, you've had that miscarriage, you, you, you know, you're getting on, you're 38 or, you know, 40, so it's egg quality problems, you'll just have to try again. Mm-hmm. Yet we know that there's so much we can do around, you know, supporting egg quality, you know, reducing levels of, you know, toxicity, improving good quality nutrition, improving hormonal status, um, that go a long way to preparing for a healthy child. So, you know, again, for older women, it is preventable as well. And the prevention is mainly in the investigations and in the preparation and being incredibly proactive and not letting uh, it get to miscarriage two or three before some investigations take place. Yeah, and, and seeing professionals like yourself um, earlier rather than later and that you, you can see someone after the first miscarriage or even prior to. And, I mean, Absolutely. And my passion is being the best mum starts well before birth. In fact, even before you were can you can see you're creating, you know, your baby's already there when it's just a twinkle in your, in your father's eye. I think that's, you know, when you're already becoming a parent. That's when you're already carrying the DNA that it has the potential to become your future child. So really, you know, the nourishing and the nurturing starts way back then and that's what you can do uh, to help you um, have a healthy pregnancy and, and healthy baby on both sides as well. 
Absolutely. And I, what really excites me is since, um, you know, the explosion of medicine and research in the field of genetics, we have learned so much more about, you know, our genetic capacity and certain things called genetic polymorphisms that may give some, you know, people in the community, unfortunately, higher risks of problems when it comes to their baby making years. And one of them that I'm really passionate about is um, a genetic polymorphism that affects your folic acid metabolism, and that's called MTHFR. And I'm sure that's been discussed a lot in in previous conversations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this in itself is just a, a quantum piece of information because I think unanimously every healthcare professional who works in the field of fertility agrees that you know folate's been the golden child of nutrition for healthy babies for for a very long time. So this link now to understand, do you carry this polymorphism? How does it affect what type of folic acid you need to be using for your individual genetic predisposition for preconception healthcare? So that's a, a gigantic leap, I think, in the direction of understanding miscarriage prevention, um, a simple genetic blood test, or it can even be a, a swab from the mouth from both the mother and the father. This is information we need from maternal and paternal because mum can carry one copy of a gene and dad can carry one copy, which potentially can give a child two copies. And if a baby is what we call homozygous, then that also increased risks of, you know, clotting between mother and baby and re reduction of blood supply between um, the mother and the child. And if that's severely impeded, then, of course, that baby can die in utero. And we should, I guess, touch on that, the MTHFR is basically your, your ability to metabolise, I guess, the different forms of folate and particularly the most common one, which I know a lot of specialists are still out there and if, you know, folate isn't getting high enough, they just pump them with more and more and more folic acid, which we're now finding if you do carry that gene, you are not absorbing that synthetic folic acid properly. So um, as you were saying, there are other forms of folate now available that we need to be looking into. But I think that's something that, that a lot of the specialists that I actually even speak to are quite unaware of. They, they are, and it's no fault of the specialists. They're not trained you know, extensively and for many years in nutritional biochemistry and, you know, the use of vitamins and minerals and how they function for um, medicine in the human body, where that is the naturopath's training. So the integrative approach is so incredibly important. I always work with a medical specialist when I'm helping couples through miscarriage because there's simply some of the work that I can't do. I can't, you know, do uterine biopsies to see whether there may be immune involvement that's uh, causing a part of the problem. So it's very much a, a team approach between the medical specialist, a good GP and a naturopath can go a long way to finding many, many parts of the puzzle to get a couple to a healthy baby born. Exactly. We're all working to the same end. I, I find it, it really great to work with other specialists. And then luckily in the Conceive Baby website, we do have a lot of specialists that are very much about um, that integrative approach because we're all working towards the same end. That's um, exactly right. All of us want that healthy baby in your arms. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So if we can work together, it's not just about natural or 
IVF. It's about, okay, what do we need to do on either side, whether it, as I said, be pharmacological or whether it be a naturopathic approach. If we can use the best of both worlds, um, we can get a better outcome. And particularly when it comes to that folate metabolism, I think that's where someone like a nutritionist or a naturopath can really stand out and go through the differences in the selenic versus folate versus methylfolates um, for you and decide which one you actually need. That's right. And, you know, the MTHFR, you know, piece of the puzzle is also important for um, your ability to be able to detoxify. So if you're not not able to run what we call a a very complex biochemical pathway in our body called methylation, which requires folate in its metabolised form, um, then not only does it affect chances of carrying your baby, but also your body is exposed to more toxicity because it can't clear it properly as well. And that can, you know, that can lead to, you know, potential risks and problems for, you know, the baby being exposed as well. So, you know, just the simplest thing, being on the right type of folate for you can have so many upsides and benefits. And that's, you know, a giant leap in um, our understanding of our individual genetic makeup. And pharmacies and industries is going in this way. And I think that, you know, medicine of the future, everyone will do a gene profile before we will know the right nutrients or the right drugs or the right treatment protocols for that that individual, which I personally find really exciting. It's fascinating. Actually, just that uh, last webinar actually was um, with Dr. Natasha Andreadis and she talked about genetics and personalised medicine and how she uses that genetic profiling in her um, both fertility and um, yeah, pregnancy patients. So it's, it's really interesting that that is, that is the future and we'll get the interesting discussion. I think it's becoming more worldwide, rec- globally recognised and utilised, which is exciting. Absolutely. And, you know, it's my, you know, hit prediction that I think, you know, when we personalise medicine to that point, we will see incidents of miscarriage in couples decreasing actually because with genetics in medicine comes a lot more information about diet choices, lifestyle choices, not only the right pharmaceutical choices or nutritional choices and all of that collates to better better patient outcomes in terms of reproductive health capacity. And, and healthy ageing capacity as well. Exactly, which, which are interrelated. Yeah, healthy ageing, you are more fertile for longer. So there are things that we can do. It's not just about a finite, you need this particular um, pharmaceutical or vitamin or about whether it's an age as well. You know, I know there are statistics that, you know, once you are post-30, um, fertility decreases, but there's a lot of factors that you can actually do to improve your chances and reduce your risk of miscarriage as well. Absolutely. And for the, um, you know, the gorgeous girls that come and see me that are, you know, a little bit older and, you know, I, I'm post 40, so I, you know, can talk truthfully and honestly about my experience with, with these women as well. Um, you know, they come in and say, I've had a couple of miscarriages and my AMH is really low when I'm, you know, am I going into perimenopause? Is this ever going to happen for me? And I say, you know, AMH is only a marker of quantity, not quality. And when we're talking about your eggs and your husband's or partner's sperms, all I'm interested in is quality, frankly, and quality of the integrity of that DNA. 
Now, it's really fascinating that, um, I guess, with the advances in reproductive medicine and what IVF has taught us, is there's actually an extension of a sperm analysis that's quite commonly done nowadays where in addition to, of course, just the sperm count and the sperm uh, morphology, which is basically the head, body, tail, it's the swimming apparatus for the important bit, which is the DNA, the nucleus. They actually now do a, a test called a sperm chromatid structure analysis um, or it's called a DNA fragmentation index. So two terms for the same test where the scientists can actually unravel that helix of DNA and have a look at how much of it's broken and basically, you know, damaged versus how much is intact. And I find that just mind-blowing that they can do that with sperm, you know, Sydney, Melbourne, Perth, all around the country and, you know, in any first world nation, that's a, a test offered. And one of the most mind-blowing pieces of, of research that I found when I was collating this information for the book was the fact that that um, a high DNA fragmentation, so a DNA in a man's sperm that's, you know, terribly broken beyond 15%, it's the highest predictive factor for a miscarriage. Wow, that's yeah, fascinating that we can find that out also and that we, we know that when we when women often blame themselves that there is that, that large percentage that is blamed on the in the sperm. Absolutely. And what I find, you know, quite infuriating is, you know, often couples, you know, preconceptually or if they've had a miscarriage and they even clue on to looking at the, the father, is that standard sperm analysis don't include the DNA fragmentation. You have to request it specifically. So nine out of ten times it's not done. And a sperm analysis can look okay on the outset, you know, fine in terms of, um, you know, sperm count and motility and morphology, they can look okay, but you can still see bad DNA fragmentation. So I feel that it's probably one of the most important first steps in the path of understanding the why. Because as I'm, you know, I'm sure that every one of us that work in the field of naturopathic fertility management know is sperm, generally speaking, is a pretty easy fix. If you clean a man's diet and lifestyle, work on a bit of detoxification, um, give him fantastic antioxidants, you know, mainly that zinc and selenium and coenzyme Q10 and vitamin C and beautiful herb called polygonum, you can actually vastly improve that DNA fragmentation index and get them back into a healthy range and significantly reduce risks of miscarriage by just doing that work. And you know what? You can achieve that in 90 days, three months. So what is the name of that test? Just to, to make sure everyone's got the name of that test that they should be requesting. They can request that from their GP, is that correct? Or they can there... request that from the GP. It does need to be done through a specialist fertility lab and andrology um, and andrology laboratory. So all the IVF clinics have those, you know, around Australia. Yep. So the test is called a sperm chromatid structure analysis, or the alternative name is a DNA fragmentation index test okay i might put some details of that up on the website too so people um can actually get more details on that and so, so i mean sperm is a really major cause what, what are some of the other causes that you do see in women um that you treat and also in your research 
Oh, look, the, the list is so long, Tasha, and, you know, that's what's so incredible. The investigations um, can be incredibly thorough. So there's genetic factors. We've touched on MTHFR and that genetic polymorphism. Some of the other genetic factors can be things like inherited thrombophilias, and that's just a big term for um, your body likes to clot blood more quickly than other people's based on your genetics. So these inherited thrombophilias include things like factor V, Leiden, prothrombin gene mutation. The MTHFR is considered one of these as well. Um, and if couples or the woman is particularly found to have one of these inherited thrombophilias, then basically as soon as she's pregnant, her specialist will start her on a daily little injection. And I know that sounds scary for a lot of women, but it's a teeny tiny little injection, a bit like a diabetic would use, that they give every day through the pregnancy up to a certain point of the pregnancy that is just a blood thinning agent that is safe for mother and safe for baby that can reduce the risks of any blood clots forming between mum and bub and result in a healthy live birth. So that might sound like a radical intervention, but there's a lot of good research to show it's a, it's a powerful intervention if you carry one of these inherited thrombophilias. Then there's things um, such as autoimmune fertility complications. And one of the... Um, core and primary researchers in this field was an American doctor by the name of Dr. Alan Beer. And he wrote an incredible book called Is My Body Baby Friendly? Explaining all about how the immune system is intimately involved with understanding that you're carrying something foreign in your body, that DNA is different to yours, but is not going to harm you. So your immune system has to do a complete turnaround and behave entirely differently in your pregnancy than it would normally. And unfortunately, some women's immune systems don't do this properly. And they have things like elevated, what we call natural killer cells, which sounds pretty dire, um, that actually, you know, attack the placental development and can attack the pregnancy because her immune system can't recognise that DNA is actually being okay for survival of life. So again, for these types of problems, um, specialists will generally, if it's discovered, they will recommend a course of very low dose steroid therapy to suppress the immune system, quieten the immune system down and just ask the immune system to not be so on the attack, so to speak. Um, so, again, that is a pharmaceutical intervention, but one that can really actually change lives and create families at, at the end of the day if that particular issue is discovered. And there's a lot of naturopathic support we can do behind the scenes to help reduce the side effects of the steroids and help her body cope with them better without interfering with their effectiveness along the path. Um, then there's... Uh, Infection. Basically, um, there's a number of different infective organisms that can lead to miscarriage. And these are types of infections that can cause damage to the growing and developing baby and the baby's life lost as a result of that. 
Um, other infections can cause rupture of the amniotic membranes. So generally about 50% of these infections that are known to be associated with miscarriage or problems with the baby's development are generally checked preconceptionally, but 50% of them are not. So in my preconception, you know, um, testing protocol that I, you know, get couples to do, I get them all tested for because, again, it's very simple intervention pre-pregnancy to clear one of those infections, be it with some natural medicine or with an antibiotic and back up with good probiotic support after that, of course. So that's a very easy tick in the box to, to support if infection's involved. Then one of the big ones is hormones. You know, our hormones are incredibly complex. I always say hormones are like a symphony orchestra. If one instrument is ever so slightly out of tune, it affects the sound of the whole system. So when it comes to miscarriage, um, we do know that insulin resistance actually quite significantly increases your risk of miscarriage, even if everything else is perfect. And insulin resistance is that step before diabetes where the fasting insulin is above 10 on a blood test. Now, any GP will run that for, you know, for a woman. Um, often that'll be accompanied with, you know, common female hormonal conditions like polycystic ovarian syndrome or not even having the syndrome but just being overweight and your diet not being optimal for conception and pregnancy. Um, and I've had a case recently that, was an alarming example of this. She'd unfortunately lost um, two babies between 18 and 22 weeks. So, you know, that's getting significantly on in that second trimester, of course. And when we did the thorough workups and investigations, the only thing we found was insulin resistance, but her fasting insulin was up to 25. Mm -hmm. Well, un unaware of that, obviously, before you tested her. Yeah, absolutely. And she obviously came in extremely distraught and so incredibly grief-stricken to have lost two babies, um, you know, at that stage of a pregnancy. And she kept saying to me, they've done all the tests and they tell me everything's okay. And I held her hand and I reassured her and said, we will find something that we can manage to give you more confidence that you're doing something differently going into your next pregnancy. So, um, you know, she worked really hard. She started eating immaculately, doing personal training, managing her stress and doing guided meditations and lost about 20 kilos, which completely has corrected her insulin resistance. And she's just about due, 38 weeks pregnant, waiting for her little baby to finally arrive. Oh, isn't that wonderful? It's always great to hear those, those success stories. And I think that's a good indication of why weight is not just an issue because you're obese. I mean, we see the statistics, you, you're less fertile and you're more likely to miscarriage if you're obese. But mm -hmm. giving us an answer to why is which is, I find really motivating for someone too. You know, what doctors often send you, okay, you, you need to lose weight. But, but why and how, um, I think, are often the questions that aren't answered uh, by some of the specialists. Absolutely. And one of the things that I do do with every patient who um, needs to lose a bit of weight, whether it's PCOS or, you know, fertility, pregnancy related, is I actually 
get them to go and see an exercise physiologist, design them a specific exercise program that suits them, that is manageable for them as an individual. And then I will see them as often as they need to feel supported um, and to make sure that, you know, they don't feel alone on that, you know, weight loss journey per se. Um, And the smallest changes can make the biggest impacts as well. So simple things like, you know, maybe just cutting out bread can make a really big impact on your weight management, your blood sugar levels, your insulin levels, and it might not seem like a massive change, but it really can be. Especially helping those cravings. I know insulin resistance is, is hard to overcome if you don't know the dietary strategies to apply because you do get those cravings and it is hard to just simply stop eating or, or some people just try to, you know, just, just stop eating for a while or, or reduce what they're eating dramatically or not mm-hmm. have insulin resistance. about eating the right food at the right times. So speaking to someone like yourself, we've got information on the website as well and, and getting the, the correct advice as to what type of diet to use, not just restricting your intake generally. Absolutely. That's absolutely correct. One of the other, um, you know, sort of hormone slash immune issues that has a a big incidence of increasing for miscarriage risks is thyroid complications. Um, And generally in a preconceptual screening with a GP, they might just check one factor and that's thyroid stimulating hormone. Now, that's only one part of a complex puzzle when it comes to uh, understanding the thyroid's role in, in reproduction. And the thyroid pretty much is one of the major hormones that drives cellular replication and hormone production and is so critical all through pregnancy, particularly in trimester one, because the baby relies on mum's thyroid hormones in trimester one until the baby's actually grown a thyroid and the baby's thyroid starts functioning for itself. And one of the things with thyroid that gets missed all the time is checking for thyroid autoantibodies. And it's amazing that, you know, the research is there, it's not my opinion, that Women may have what we call euthyroid or perfectly normal TSH, free T4 and free T3. They're the major things that are checked for, but they may be positive for thyroid antibodies. They have a much higher statistic for miscarriage. Mm. Now, what can drive thyroid antibodies? Well, again, it can be genetics and a family history of a condition called Hashimoto's. So ask your aunties and your mum and your grandmother and your cousins, you know, about these types of things. I think women in our in families, we need to have more frank health conversations because we're gathering a genetic pool of information about ourselves then. But the things that can drive thyroid antibodies are genetics. Um, for some individuals, it can be... Um, overexposure to gluten or um, casein, which comes from dairy milk. Um, in, other fa- in other people, it can be good old-fashioned stress or naturopathically we refer to that as cortisol. And if patients are driving, you know, that stress response and their body is just a fountain of the stress hormone cortisol, that's been known to trigger autoimmune disease in some genetically predisposed individuals. And then there's um, even um, gut bugs. 
like blastocystis hominis, um, Klebsiella, that have been linked to the stimulation of autoantibodies, but particularly Hashimoto's as well. And, you know, most people when I start talking about this say, well, I have, I have don't know that I've had a gut bug, that's fine. But um, we know it's actually in Sydney water supply, for example, and um, up to... 20% of the Sydney population test positive for blastocystis hominis and don't even know they've got it. Wow. I think we do often, we, we sort of take advantage, take, well, don't actually take notice of digestive symptoms these days. It's also bloating, heartburn, or we do, we do, you know, ads on TV just take antacids. Or it's almost the norm that that sort of symptomology is what you should just accept. But it may be recognition of an underlying condition such as what you described. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, the investigations actually do run pretty deep and, you know, some women say, remind me again why you're making me do a stool test for my miscarriage risk. So I generally do a lot of mapping out of, you know, okay, we've found thyroid antibodies. Now I need to understand why in order to make sure I can get you on the right right path. So the question that I never stop ask, asking Tasha is why? Yes. This has come up positively. Why? When we find the answer to that, we dig deeper and ask that question again and again and again and again until we get that baby in the in the the man and woman's arms. And I hope that this this type of information that what that we are giving to people today can give them the confidence to keep asking why. I think once you are told by your fertility specialist, as we've often said at the start, that look, these things happen. Here we go. We'll try your next cycle again. Often with little further involvement of the specialist other than that. I mean, there are a lot of specialists that aren't taking the time and actually understanding. Um, but as a generalisation, people are getting that information. So uh, encourage them to ask why themselves. It, it doesn't just have to be told by your specialist. Feel free to inquire by your specialist. If you're not happy with your specialist's opinion, please go see Angela um, or you know, someone, another specialist. Get a second opinion and keep asking why um, because it is your life and your baby and no one is more invested in it than yourself. Um, I know I love hearing the outcomes that, as you described, Angela, and you know, nothing makes me happier than to get the email saying that people are pregnant or you know that they've actually conceived after so many miscarriages. But ultimately... The one that's most invested in that pregnancy outcome is yourself. So I, I love the fact that you keep asking why and, and I'll encourage more people to ask why as well. Absolutely. And one of the big questions I get asked by every every lady that comes and sees me who's experienced miscarriages, I've had a miscarriage last cycle, um, how, long, how long till I can try again? And my answer to that question is the same every single time. And I say, as long as it takes for us to get all the information required, fix up any problems we may find so that both you and I are confident that your next pregnancy will be a full-term pregnancy. So generally speaking, that is going to be around about three to four months so that we can invest a month in thorough investigation, understand the problems and have proactive intervention in place so that we know all the bases are covered and then allowing your body some, you know, recoup time from, 
you know, an emotional, physical and a spiritual standpoint to prepare for that next little, ba- next little baby that will be growing in your body. To be pregnant in full term is extremely, um, you know, extremely hard work for a, a woman's human body. But a lot of the nutritional reserve is um, really used by that little baby growing in the first trimester. So even if you've got to, you know, six weeks in a pregnancy and lost that baby, your your body has used six weeks worth of reserve to grow that little baby to that point. Um, and as you can imagine, if you know, if you get on to more like ten or twelve or fourteen or you know later in the pregnancies and lost your baby your reserves have dropped quite a lot. So I am very passionate about encouraging repletion, um, you know, emotional um, repletion, spiritual repletion to really prepare on all levels for the next pregnancy. It's so important to the outcome. That's, that's a great answer there, and I think it's what many women want to hear. And I think it's not just about, okay, you're not allowed to try for this amount of time because there's a lot of there's a lot happening during that time. It's not as if you're just sitting back and waiting for a certain period. There are so many things you're proactively changing your diet, as you said, and looking at the male factors, doing your testing. So you are actually on your way to pregnancy mm-hmm. because you're still nourishing that baby. You are still nourishing that DNA. Mm-hmm that has the potential to become your future baby. So you rise it out. Often people say, oh, I don't want to wait that long. And you're not waiting. You are already nourishing your child so that when that actually egg and the sperm does come together, you are more likely to have a viable pregnancy. And it's not just about the viability of the pregnancy, as you know, no. about determined to get pregnant and, and have a healthy baby. It's about the ha- that baby's life. The more preconception care that we can do now, and I, I, I love working with fertility people and, you know, really prior to pregnancy, is you're, you're creating a healthy baby for the longer term. And, and as you would know, research is now suggesting that the nutrition you provide prior to conception can have a greater impact on the long-term health of the child than actually their genetics. You can actually switch on and off genetics, which I've actually discussed um, in another webinar as well during that, that preconception period. So um, see it as a, as a positive as much as you can, that, that waiting period, and you are doing so much in that, in that period that um, it's not just about us sitting back and waiting for, for three months. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Angela. I know it's been a whirlwind for you. I really appreciate you taking the time since you have just come off lecturing and the information you've provided today is really fascinating for myself as well as I'm I'm sure um, everyone out there. So thank you for your time. And if anyone would like more information um, and speak with our specialists um, in our series, jump on conceivebaby.com.au and make sure you join our community and receive our updates on our next expert guests and also our regular articles on the website. Thanks very much for joining us. My pleasure.